was here the first week, right? This is our third week. What was the first week? Anybody remember? The subject of the first week. What are we doing here? Why are you here? Very good. Why are you here? What was last week? Fundamentals. And the very first fundamental was what? He must be born again. Wow, good memory, guys. Appreciate it. Is anybody actually paying attention? So, the, no, you're not paying attention. <laughs> so the next logical step in the why are we here, and then the fundamentals, we must be born again. So what's the next logical step to ask ourselves in the spiritual checkup we're trying to do here? Anybody? How do we know we're born again? How do we know that we're here for the right reasons? We must be bearing fruit. Right? Fruit bearing? Everybody know what fruit bearing means? Well, good. Uh, that, when he asked him what fruit bearing means, nobody did. I'm just. What is fruit bearing? Thank you. Jeremy learned to catch a cue here, okay? All right, so fruit bearing is when you walk out and you see a tree. You know if it's an apple tree or a plum tree based on the fruit on that tree, right? What if you've got fruit on it? How do you count? You look at it and you take it. Then it's not a fruit bearing tree, it's a bad tree. If there's no fruit on the tree, then the tree is not doing its job. So how do we get fruit on our tree? We witness, right? We testify. Testifying and testimonies are not just for church. You can do it out in public by giving people your personal testimony. Living a life that is telling the world about Jesus, that's how we bear fruit. So when we're in church, we're hearing the word of God, that word of God is to be flowing out of us, producing fruit out in the outer world. Is that not correct? Okay. So, the, every Christian is responsible for spreading the gospel, right? Now that sounds a little intimidating, doesn't it? We have to spread the gospel. What is the gospel called? Anybody remember? Good news. In fact, the term gospel comes from those very words, good news. We are to bear the good news of birth of the birth of Christ, the death, the burial, resurrection of Christ to a world. And since we're taking good news, it should be so much easier because they need to hear the good news, right? Yeah? Okay. So, it's like a lot of things in life when we, 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 we get up and, oh, I gotta go to church. No, no, no. We get to go to church. We get to come to the place to worship Jesus, the one who died for us. We get, get, get to go to a lost and dying world and tell them of Jesus who's going to help them, who's going to get them to heaven. Because without Jesus, they're dying and they're going to hell. We get to go out and tell them. We get to. But not only do we get to, we are commanded to in the Great Commission, right? So we get to talk to the one who died for us, who spread his arms out on that cross. He gave his life. Nobody took it from him. He did not die because of what they did. He gave his life on that cross for us. He said, it is finished, 
and he gave up the ghost. Nobody took his life. He gave it up. And we get to go out and tell people about that. You say, well, why do I need to tell folks? I have mine. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. What do I got to do? What more do I need to do? Well, what does James say about that? Anybody know what James says about that? No? Okay, good. We're going to go to James 2, 17, 18, 19, and 20. James 2, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Alright, so while you're getting there, I'm going to read. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? So what's that mean? Now we're not Catholics. We don't believe we're going to work. Oh, just hold on. We don't believe that we have to work our way to heaven. That's not the way you go. You get to heaven by believing in Christ. That's it. Faith, no matter how great you think your faith is, your faith is dead if there is no works to back it up. If you have no works, if you're bearing no fruit, you cannot tell me how great your faith is. You can tell me, but I'm not going to believe you, right? Salvation is by faith, placed in Christ and his sacrifice on the cross for us. Works have nothing to do with salvation. I can't say that enough here. Because it's, it's not saying in James that you have to have works for faith. So I don't want anybody thinking or understanding or misunderstanding. Works are not the way to heaven. Faith in Christ and faith alone is the way to heaven. Accepting Christ. Putting your trust in Him. However, faith without works or action to back it up is dead. Now what does that mean? That means you can sit here and tell me all day long how great your faith is. You can tell me how much you believe in Christ, how much you love Jesus, but if you ain't doing nothing for him, nobody's going to believe you. If you say you have so great a faith, that great faith must burst forth like the trees in the springtime. When they wake up from their winter's nap, they burst forth talking about the glory of creation. The God of heaven who put them there, and they are serving their purpose that he put him there, that he put them there for. These trees, every spring, they spring to life. God put them there for a purpose, and they are fulfilling their purpose. They're producing fruit, they're giving oxygen to the world. You, as a Christian, should be giving Christ to a world. You should be producing fruit, right? Is that not what we're supposed to do? Okay. The question is, how do we do that? How do we produce fruit? Anybody want to take a guess? There's several answers, so. Interaction, guys, interactions. Come on. How do we produce fruit? Other than going out and picking up off the tree. Going into all the world, preach the gospel. Going into all the world, right. So Paul says in Romans 10, 13, 
uh, Romans 10, 13, 14, and 15. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everybody knows that verse, right? All right, well, here's the next verse. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I've said it, I don't know how many times in my books and my writings, how are they going to know of Christ if we don't tell them? The Apostle Paul asked that same question 2,000 years ago. It's still irrelevant. You have people right here in the United States, in the United States of America, with radio, TV, Bibles everywhere, and online, and in print, who do not know the name of Jesus. But yet we have mega churches. Think about that. How does this nation have people who do not know the name of Jesus? Because we, the Christians, are not doing our job. That's how. So Paul says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then Paul says, how are they going to know unless we tell them? I actually had somebody say this to me once. I hope it blows your mind the way it blows mine. Somebody actually said to me, if I don't witness to them, when they die, they can die in their ignorance and God can't hold them accountable. Anybody ever heard somebody use that argument? That is the stupidest argument I've ever heard. Because they've got the very creation screaming out that there is a God. The Native Americans who were here before the Bible came here, they knew there was a God. They called it the Great Spirit, but they knew there's a God. Not witnessing so that they die in ignorance and they're not accountable is not an excuse. It's a cop-out. You're letting people go to hell because you're afraid of talking to them. So, in Romans 20, we see the results of not talking about Christ, about the results of not witnessing. So, Romans, Romans Revelations 20, 13. I'm sorry, I said Romans. In Revelations 20, 13, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Now, Revelation 20.15. This is important. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You okay? So whoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life, that means the ones we didn't reach. And some of the ones we didn't reject. Don't get me wrong, there are those who are going to reject. But some of the ones that we didn't reach are going to be cost, uh, tossed into the lake of fire. I believe, 
I believe that on that day, now this is the second judgment, this is not the, the Christian judgment, this is the second judgment. I believe that at that judgment, we are going to know those people that we didn't tell on that day, that we didn't witness to. We're going to look and we're going to see them and we're going to know them. And I think the worst part, I think they're going to know us. And I think they're going to see that we're on this side and we never talked to them. And they're going to hold us accountable. It says that Christ, it says that God wipes away the tears of those of us who are left that were not tossed in the wood. Why would he have to wipe away our tears if we didn't know who was being tossed in the lake of fire? Why would we be crying and weeping and wailing when we're in heaven? Because we're going to know. And they're going to know that we didn't tell them. And we have to stand there. We're going to have to, for a moment or two, we're going to have to deal with that grief. With that unbearable loss that we failed them. Because we didn't tell them. We didn't give them the opportunity. And that's on us. I guess I'm, I'm really bothered by this. I was at the hospital yesterday with my dad. He hasn't listened to any gospel. He's turned to deaf ear. And if he doesn't get saved, he's at almost eight. If he doesn't get saved, I'm going to have to watch him get tossed into a lake of fire. And so it's probably laying on a little more this morning than it should. Not, not my dad, but I mean, in what I'm saying this morning, because it's not just him. Everybody in my life that I've ever met that I did witness to, because I was afraid or backslidden or whatever. Everybody right now today that I don't witness to, come that day, I'm going to have to watch them toss, be tossed into a lake of fire. And I'm going to know. And you're going to know who you did and did not. And we're going to have to live with that for a brief moment before God wipes the way. But we're going to know. And I really think that they're going to know that we did witness to them. And they're going to look dead at us. Now this is not in the scripture. This is conjecture on my part. But there's no reason God has to wipe away our tears if we're not crying. And the only reason I can think of that we're crying at that point in time is because somebody we know and love is getting tossed into that lake of fire and it is our fault because we are not living the Christian life. We are not providing a good testimony. We are not reaching a world lost and dying and going to hell. I have a father I'm going to have to watch be tossed into that lake of fire. And it weighs on me more than you can think. My sister, weigh in on her more. Because we've tried over the years. We've tried. It's not always, it's not going to, it's, it's not our fault. We've tried. But it's our fault in our heads. You know what I'm saying? We feel that we haven't done enough because he hasn't. And we're going to have to watch him get tossed. And that's really where it goes right now. Anyway, back to this. I'm sorry. I got off track. So back to the fruit bearing. So we're going to answer for our witness or lack thereof. Now, at the Bema Seed, that's where we give account to God for what we did and did not do in our Christian life. The Bema Seed happens between the rapture and the second coming. Okay? Everybody knows that the rapture is not the second coming, right? Okay. So between the rapture and the second coming, the tribulations happens, we're gone, we're in heaven, that's when we have 
our judgment as Christians and the work that we do or did not do that we must give accounting of. So those works that we're going to give account of is what we call fruit bearing. So it is our works that show our faith. It is our works that prove our love for Christ, right? Because if you love your wife and you tell your wife you love her, but you never have time for her, you never do anything for her, is she going to believe you love her? Gosh. What about your kids? You tell your kids, I love you, but you're so busy working, or you're always out with the guys, you never have time for her, your kids going to believe you. Well, why should God believe you if you never have time for him? It's no different. In fact, my relationship with my kids has awakened, has awoke me so much to the relationship God wants with me. <clears throat> your kids want your time. That's what God wants. As a parent, you want their time. Right? In fact, as they get older, you're begging for a day with them. You can't get it. Right? Right? That's, that's what God wants. He wants your time. He wants you to prove that you love him. He wants you to prove that you care about him, but not just him, but his work. Why does it when parents have a, a business, they want the kids to go into that family business. God wants you to go into the family business, which is serving him. Why should anybody believe us when we say how, how much we love God if we're not working every day for God. Well, I'm going to church, but that's all we're doing. Okay, so you're going to church. What, what does that mean? Are you any different than anybody else? Why do they need us if we're just going to church? It's got to be an everyday thing, right? Every minute, every day, we should be serving, setting up a testimony and a light that proves that we love God, that we're serving God, that we're talking about God. If we don't do that every day, every minute, do we truly love God? Everybody's awake? Okay. Nobody's looking at me. So. <laughs> Alright. So, if there's no fruit in your life, you have to look around and you have to look at your own self to see why you're not bearing fruit. Right? If you're not getting any results in your Christian walk, uh, if you're not witnessing, if people are not asking what you have that they need because, you know, you're, you're different, you have a different type of life. You go to church, you're talking about Christ and your love for him. If they don't see that and they're not asking about that, then how do, you, how do we know you're bearing fruit? You bear fruit, people come to church. You bear fruit by people asking you. You bear fruit by witnessing. But if you're not seeing any of that in your life, what do you do? How do you fix it? Plant more seeds. Plant more seeds. That would be like pulling teeth up here. Platform <laughs> seeds. All right. So, what Jesus say about bearing fruit? In John 15, Jesus says, "I am the true vine, and my Father is the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit." So, Jesus says, "Every branch that doesn't bear fruit goes away." So if you're not bearing fruit, you're not doing what he asked. Do you remember, anybody remember the fig tree that Jesus saw on his way to Jerusalem? He was hungry. He went to the fig tree. And what did he do? He found the fig tree had no fruit. The fig tree was there to produce figs. 
He was hungry. It wasn't serving its purpose. He cursed that tree and it withered away because it wasn't doing its job. Can we expect any different if we're not doing our jobs? Christ says there must be fruit in the life of the Christian. Right here in this verse, there must be fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, you're going to be taken away. He doesn't say there might be. He doesn't say if you feel like it. He says there must be fruit from the branch or it's taken away, right? So is there fruit bearing in your life? Is there action to back up the faith you say you have? And I'm not just talking within these doors. It's obvious within these doors. Of course, we're here. If there is no sign of life, such as the fruit bearing, if there is no sign of life, what do we call that? If there's no sign of life in something, it's death. If there's no sign of life, we call it death. So if there's no fruit bearing, then that faith must be death. Right? Okay. So, and I don't want any obvious answers. So do not raise your hands and don't answer. How many people did you witness to this last week? How many people did you talk to of Christ in the last week? And I'm making it for the last week so it's a verifiable time frame of recent memory you guys can think about. How many people did you invite to church in the last week? I don't want answers. But these are the questions that we're trying to ask ourselves to get ourselves thinking about our Christian walk. Why are you here? It's important to know why you come here every Sunday. The fundamentals, you must be born again. That's the basic fundamental of the Christian life. If you're not born again, everything else doesn't matter. Fruit bearing. A basic fundamental, you must be bearing fruit. Now, this week, and I'm not blowing my own horn, so please don't take it that way. I'm using myself as an example because I can speak to myself, okay? This week, I talked to four people, four, about church or Christ or salvation. Now, one of them came to church with me. Now, one of them got saved. But I planted the seed. And again, I'm not blowing my horn. Don't take it that way. I'm using me as an example, okay? I did not bear any fruit this week, even though I planted the seeds. But my faith is coming through by me talking to people about it. In fact, one of them, we were talking in the Walmart parking lot, loud, walking into Walmart. It wasn't just him that hurt me. Okay? Bearing fruit is those people who are seeing you can see that you are a Christian. They can hear that you are a Christian. So bearing fruit is not just who you bring in, how many get saved. It's also you just having the, tree, the, the fruit sitting there. They can pluck and hear about Christ. The bread of life, what we're going to call the fruit, the plums of life or apples of life, same thing. Bearing fruit means that we're putting the seeds out there. When, when you get a, 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 an avocado, most of it's a big old pit that you take out and bear it, right? Anybody had an avocado? <laughs> or no, the avocado was that big. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So fruit bearing isn't just making sure that we have people are having people answer the call that we're putting out there. Fruit bearing is us putting the call out there and planting the seed. When we plant the seed, God promises us, promises us that the word will not come back void. So we have talked, a couple of us, about the energy and awakenings of the church, right? We talked about having revival in this church, right? How do we get that revival in this church? Well, first of all, we cannot make revival. God has to bring it. Psalm says that wilt thou revive us again. But how do we how do we provoke the spirit of God to work in people's lives? And I, I say that knowing that it, it, it sounds a little violent, but it's true. If we go out and we witness, God promised he will, he will uh, speak to hearts. So how do we get that to happen in this church? Anybody want to take a stab at it? How do we get God to work in the hearts? How do we try to force the subject? In the church. Okay. We don't do, we don't do what we're supposed to do about work and bring them in. Well, you're all right. That's right. So we get the energy from telling telling other people about Christ. Because have you ever witnessed anybody? Because when you're sitting there and you're telling somebody about Jesus, you start getting excited again. And when you start getting excited again, it's going to move. Because then you're going to come back here on Sunday and you're going to tell somebody else and you're going to get excited and then they're going to get excited. And once we get excited, speaking about the Jesus that we love, it's going to be catching. It's going to move outward. And we are going to get results. If you go out into the public over there and you start talking about Jesus, and I just, I love Jesus, how about you? No, you start talking about Jesus, the one who died for you, it's going to catch on. People want to hear about Jesus. They want to hear about salvation. They're looking for answers. We've got to give it to them. But we have to be excited about it in order for that excitement to move on. Do you understand what I'm trying to get at? Yeah? That's how we get the energy and the awakenings that we've talked about. We go out and we tell people about Jesus. And I don't just mean going out and knocking on doors. Like the guy and I that were walking into Walmart, I'm witnessing to him as we're walking into Walmart. Other people are hearing me talking. So it's, it's not that they have to actually be the subject of the conversation. They're hearing. And if they hear, people will ask if they have a question. That's how we get the excitement. We make the excitement by being excited ourselves. So next week when we come in, I'm going to start with how many did you talk to this week. And again, I won't ask for any raised hands. I will never ask for that. But I will ask, how many did you witness to? How many did you invite to church? How many, let's see, what was the other one? Uh, how many did you talk to of Jesus? It's not just inviting them to church. It's not just talking, it's, it's a culmination. And remember the lady at the well? Do you remember how when she got saved, all she said was come and see. And she brought them all to Jesus. She didn't talk to them herself. Maybe she didn't have the words, maybe she didn't have the reputation. But she said come and see and they all came and they got saved. She turned the town around just by saying come and see. That's all we got to do. So, Next week, we're going to start off with those questions, all right?
Now, we got a little handout here. This one is two pages. Okay. Alright, so this one here. There's people in the back. Alright. So last, let's see, uh, the week before, what did I give you the week before? The first week. The handout the first week. Do you remember? Sarah, what was the handout? Oh, the first week was a little questionnaire asking why you are here, why you come to church, what your purpose is. Last week we had a little hand. No, last the first week was a little questionnaire. It was this one. Yeah, last week, last, last week was the Romans Road, but the the, the 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 reason for the Romans Road wasn't for anything other than make sure you're familiar with. If somebody came to you said, "Why must I be saved?" and all that. So this week, this is the twelve or thirteen apostles counting the apostle Paul. This is how they died. They were persecuted. And as you read through this, I don't know if anybody's ever read the uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. I've read it like five times. These men, the apostles, all but one were killed preaching and teaching. Most of them because they were preaching and teaching Christ. And the reason I, I did this and, and gave this handout we're not persecuted here in the United States of America yet. We're not persecuted. But most of us will not talk about Christ. These guys, one of them, and I don't want to say which one because I don't remember the name. One of them turned the jailer to Christ, and that jailer knelt down and died beside him. <coughs> While he was being persecuted and executed, he was witnessing of Christ. And most of us will not do it because we're afraid of being embarrassed. That's why I gave you this handout. So when we're bearing fruit and we're talking about Christ, we don't have to pay this price yet in America. And because we don't have to pay this price, we're ashamed to talk about it. We're more worried about our crime or somebody disliking us than we are about getting killed talking about it. I don't think that speaks very well for us. Because I'm telling you, there are months I've gone without talking to anybody. Months. And if it's like that for me, I can only assume it's like that for other people. That's why I spoke to myself and gave my example because I can speak to me. I know what I do and don't do. If we're not bearing fruit in this church, then we have to examine why we're not bearing fruit in this church. If we're not excited, how can we expect them to be excited? If we're not out there talking every day, then how can we expect them to ask questions that they don't know the subject? Like I said, I spoke to three or four this week. I didn't get any results. It's not my job to produce the results. It's like Wayne and I talk about I will stand up here if one person shows up. If a thousand people show up, I'm going to do the exact same thing I'm doing if one shows up. It's not my job to have you make decisions. 
My job is to put the information out there. What you do with it is up to you. When I coached Little League, I was told my boys, they hit the pitcher throws the ball, you hit the ball. You've done your job. What they do with the ball, whether they catch it, drop it, or whatever, same thing with the gospel. We're going to put the gospel out there. What anybody who's sitting here does with it, it's entirely up to them. I cannot force an outcome. I can just put it out there. That's what we're going to do. Because until we get excited again, and I'm not saying, I'm just talking generally, okay? But until we get excited again about the gospel, until we get excited again about the good news that we have for a world that's lost and dying and going to hell, we have the way out of hell. But until we get excited about it, they're not going to be. That's where I think the, the Christians in America have made a mistake. We've made it mundane. It's no longer excitable. It's no longer joyous. We have lost the joy of our salvation. So we're just going to go with that. And remember, next week I'm going to ask. But I, I won't expect any answers. But I'm going to ask again, how many did you talk to? How many did you witness to? How many did you invite to church? You can lie to me and tell me you talked to 20. But you can't lie to God. Okay? All right, let's close. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for the word. We thank you, Lord, for the wonderful weather you've given us and for all of those that came out here today. Father, I pray as we go into the next service, you open hearts and minds to the word. And then, Father, as we leave these doors, help us, Lord, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying